Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. While we were gone, I, was, I was, had this book with me talking about uh, this, this man, Tommy Welchel, he was re- recounting some of the stories from the people that were present at Azusa Street. And uh, the Lord just, just put it in my heart, and so we're just going to just see where it goes tonight, you know, about, about healing. One of the biggest characteristics of revival involves healing on a large scale, on a large scale. You know, and there are so much... That, you know, I, I just read these stories and, and just, just in amazement. You know what? God has not lost his touch. The same kind of stories that occurred at Azusa Street, we can write in the diaries that we, we pen today. There's no reason why somebody can't pen the same things about 2015 that they did in 1905. No reason. No reason. No reason. Except for us. We haven't been expecting it like we should have. We haven't been preparing ourselves like we should have. We haven't been in a place where we could believe God like we should have. But I'm telling you what, the day has come, and it's now here. The day has come, and it's now here, where this kind of fire is going to fall again. You know, revival is characterized by so many things. You know, the lost coming back. But I'm telling you, healing is a vital part of revival. Healing. There are people who are sicker than ever out there that need, that need God. Modern medicine has come a long way. Thank God for that. You know, there is, there is so many more advances that, we've, that people back then could not have even envisioned. But I tell you what, I believe that as believers, we've come to depend too much on the hand of man instead of the hand of God. Not that there's anything wrong with medicine. I'm telling you, it, it saved my life. I wasn't in a place that I could tell you I could believe God for healing from cancer, but I could put my faith in the fact that, that those doctors could aid and assist my body to get rid of some cancer and then for the power of God to keep it away. And how many years? 13 years later, here I am. Amen. So, you know, I just think that we're just going to just find ourselves in a place where our faith level is going to come up. We're going to start stepping up in some things. You know, that, that means that we're going to have to get to a place where we really understand some things about healing. You know, you have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. You know, over in Exodus where God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who healeth thee. And the I am has not changed. The I am is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so the same I am that healed the children of Israel is the same I am who's going to heal today. Then Psalms, go with me to Psalms 103. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Got you shouting shoes, I think. Uh, sure sounded like it a while ago. So keep them on. Don't take them off. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. All that is within me. All, and it sounds like y'all did the all thing on Sunday morning. Yeah. 
Yeah, all that is within me. That means there is not one little piece of ourselves that we hold back from him when we start praising him. There's not one little section of our mind where we just kind of wander off you know, when it's time to praise God. No, we put it all together and we bring all of us, everything about us, a spirit, soul, and body enters into that place of praising him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lost my place. Hang on. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, what are those benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns your life with, with tender, loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Don't you just love that part? For some of us who are got it getting on up into that, that uh, getting close to Social Security age, <laughs> and some who are past it, you know, that, that to me speaks volumes. Who renews your youth like the eagles. Go with me real quick to Genesis, the 25th chapter. I want you to take a look at something. Genesis 25 and verse 8. Our father Abraham, starting in verse 7, it says, These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived a hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Isn't that 160? 175. I'm not sure I want to stick around that long. But okay, he lived 175 years. But look then at verse 8. Then Abraham gave up the ghost. He gave it up. His life wasn't taken from him. There's nothing here said about him dying because of any kind of sickness. It says he gave it up. He was ready to go. He died in a good old age. I think 175 is a pretty decent old age. And full of years. Full of years. He was satisfied with his life. That's the picture of what it's like for a believer to, to walk in the kind of place that the benefits of God provide for us. He died in a good old age, full of years. You know, some people die, and, and they're not full at all. They're, they're, their lives were empty, but not Abraham. His life was full. And I'm telling you what, I intend to live on this earth until I am fully satisfied. And if Jesus hasn't come back by the time I get ready to go, I'm going to be full and of a good old age. And I'm just going to give it up one day. You know, there were saints who were at Azusa Street who picked their time to go. One lady that, that Brother Tommy was recounting in here, she said, he said she sat down with him one afternoon and she wanted to make sure she had him recite some things back to him, that he, stories that he had told her. She wanted to make sure he had them right. And she said, well, that's good because I'm going home tonight. And he didn't understand what she meant. But the next day he came back and they said, oh, she, she died last night. She was going home. There is no reason why you and I can't decide when we're going to go home when we're going to leave here. And we're going to be full of good years, satisfied with good things in the meantime. You know what? That's the blessing. You know, over in Galatians 3.14, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Well, that's part of the blessing. 
a man who lived a long life, satisfied, full, and who decided when he wanted to go. That's part of the blessing. That same blessing has come on you and me. It's not an impossibility. It's our minds that tell us that that is something we can't have, that that's not for today, that that's not possible, that that is out of the realm of possibility. No, it is not. It is not out of the realm of possibility. It's only out of the realm of our current ability to believe God for it. But that can change. That can change. You know, we have a covenant of healing. You know, just like if you find over in the, in the Luke 13, 16, where the lady who was bowed over, you know, she came to Jesus to be healed. And he said, ought not this d- woman, this daughter of Abraham, be loosed? That's because there's a covenant God had a covenant with Abraham, and as a daughter of Abraham, she had a right to demand her healing and to expect her body to be completely well. You and I belong to that same covenant, that same covenant. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Our life has been redeemed from destruction. You know, sickness is only death on the installment plan. That's all it is. You know, little by little, eking away your life, taking the life out of you. You know, we don't have to let that happen. We have a covenant, and it's time for us to stand up and completely and fully demand our rights and what belongs to us and not, ref- not settle for anything less than what God intends for us to have and what, he in- he- what he's already paid the price for. Go with me to Isaiah. You know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if you don't, you're fixing to find out. Where am I going, folks? What chapter? 53. That's right. Starting in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That literally should be, surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain. The very same stripes, the very same blood Jesus shed for our salvation, he shed for our healing. You know, the the thing about some people is they say, well, you know, healing is not always God's will to heal. Well, you can't tell me it's not always God's will to save. The very same price he paid for my salvation, he paid for my healing. It is as available, it is offered freely, It is mine to have, just like salvation. There is nothing that can keep it away from me if I truly understand the price that was paid. There is no place for, well, is it God's will to heal me? It is always God's will to heal you. Always God's will. You know, and that's, that's one area we have to constantly fight the enemy on, that he always wants to come and try to convince us that for some reason we can't get our healing, that it's not God's will necessarily or, or this or that. He gives us all kinds of reasons why we aren't going to go he- get healed. But I'm telling you what, we've got to get to the place where we stand up in his face and tell him all the reasons why we are healed. He is nothing but a liar and the father of liars. If it comes out of his mouth, if it comes, if it comes from him for one of his little cohorts, you know it's got to be nothing but a big fat lie. Stop listening to it. Stop believing it. And, and take a look at this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we 
are healed. First Peter 2.24, what does it say? Hallelujah. We are, isn't that what it said over there? First Peter, let me find First Peter. First Peter 2.24. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It says, who in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah put it in the present tense, and Peter put it in the past tense. It's an already done thing. Salvation was already paid for. Healing has already been paid for. Hallelujah. It belongs to you and me. The price was paid. All we have to just do is just go, just go access it. Take it. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. It belongs to all of us. You know, there is, there's so many people that are out there that are so consumed with their lives and with their bodies and, and, and getting them well and getting them healed, and they don't know that Jesus is the healer. Their only religion that there is in the entire world that has a covenant of healing attached to it is ours. Buddha never said he'd heal anybody. Muhammad never said that he'd heal anybody. No other religion that I know of has ever provided healing. I tell you what, when you go start telling people about healing and you lay hands on them and healing comes, I tell you, there's no denying whose God is whose. None. I'm telling you what, absolutely none. Um, Deuteronomy 28, the blessings, you know, are listed, you know, there. You can see them. Hallelujah. Um, Matthew 8, of all the places... You know, that Jesus, well, in Matthew, let I just tell you this, Matthew 12, Luke 19, there were places where these two, these two places said that there were multitudes that came to Jesus, and he healed them all. He didn't make any reservation about anybody. He didn't say, you're too bad, you're too old, you're too young, you're too educated, you're too uneducated. You've, you've done too many bad things. He didn't ask anybody what they had done. He didn't need to ask anything. He knew that healing was for them and that healing was provided. And he healed them all. Can you imagine there was somebody in that crowd just like you who had the same thoughts that you have, who had the same issues that you have? who have the same reluctance that you have, who have the same places where the enemy tries to make you doubt just like you? who have the same shortcomings in life that you do, but he healed them all. You know, what Jesus did is, is, is a testament of what is supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen. Nobody's supposed to ever come up in a healing line and leave not healed. Nobody is ever supposed to have their hands laid on them by a believer and not be healed. Nobody's ever supposed to go to God and say, Father, I need this taken care of, and him turn them away. Nobody. Nobody. If you think that that's, that's an issue that you need to get resolved, go with me to Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. The question of whether God will or will not heal, whether he wants to or not, is answered right here. Since when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, if you want to, one translation says, you can make me clean. In verse 3, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will 
be thou clean. The Phillips translation says, of course I want to heal you. Of course I want to heal you. See, it's a foregone conclusion where Jesus is concerned. It's a foregone conclusion where the Father God is concerned. Of course I want to heal you. Of course. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there, was, there are places where you can, you can find in the, in the four Gospels where it talks about mercy. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. You're right here, just a page away. Matthew 9, verse 27. It says, Jesus departed thence. Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said, Believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew 15, 22. Hallelujah. Matthew 15, 22. We'll start in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I looked at this today and I thought, you know, I've never even noticed that she said, Have mercy on me. My daughter is vexed. If there is one thing that gets to the heart of a parent is when their child is hurting. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter, my daughter is suffering. And he did. You know, he answered her and he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him saying, saying, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. That's what healing is. It's a children's bread. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She was a woman who had no covenant as far as the, the people of Israel concerned. She was outside that covenant. And yet she said, have mercy on me. And he said, O woman, thy greatest thy faith, be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. There's mercy extended to people who don't even know God, who don't have a covenant with him. There's mercy extended to him because he, in his mercy, he's already extended salvation. So in his mercy, he's already extended healing. They go together. Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew 17, verse 22. Hallelujah. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man shall be, be betrayed. Oh, is that, that's the wrong one. Matthew 17. Would I miss it? Hallelujah. 14? Yeah. Yeah, there it is, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. See, here he was asking for his son, where the woman before had asked for her because she was suffering as a mom. For he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Matthew 20. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And in verse 29, they departed from Jericho. A great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy 
on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I should do unto you? And he said unto him, Lord, that our eyes be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Go with me to Mark chapter 10. The companion to that is going to be found over in Luke 18, but we'll just go to Mark 10. A story of blind Bartimaeus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And as we're starting in verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people blind. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He calls you. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, What will you, what will you that I should do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way. Your faith hath made you whole. Woo! Luke. Go with me to Luke. Can't read my own writing. Is it 17 or 19? We'll go to 17 and take a quick look here. Hallelujah. 17. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Well, let's start in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Listen, you and I as a believer don't have to, have to depend on mercy. It's a done deal as far as God's concerned because we have a right to be healed. No mercy involved in that. We have a right. It belongs to you and me. There is nobody and nothing that is allowed to withhold from us what God has given us freely and completely and forever, eternally. Healing belongs to the children of God. It belongs to us because it is the children's bread. You know, we have to get to the place where we understand that, that for ourselves... Healing belongs to us. It's up to us to become so acquainted with healing in our lives that we are constantly being healed. When enemy comes with sickness, when he comes with symptoms, don't wait. Don't wait. Attack it as soon as it attacks you. Don't give it an opportunity to gain a, a foothold so that it becomes a bigger issue than it needs to be. Just begin to thank God as soon as, as soon as a symptom appears. You begin to thank God that healing belongs to me. Healing is mine. I walk in divine health every single day of my life. I will not be kept away from healing in my life. Whether it's healing emotionally, healing physically, it doesn't matter what it is. The chastisement of our peace 
the chastisement of our peace. There are people today with, with mental issues, you know, that don't have to. Sometimes we look at people like that and we say, well, it's, it's really, you know, it's not like, you know, they have, you know, like a broken leg. It's not like they have cancer. Listen, it's just as much a sickness as anything else, but the chastisement of our peace. He deliberately and specifically named something that had to do with our mind so that we knew that healing in our minds was available to us as well as healing in the rest of our body. And when the enemy tries to do and listen, I've been in a place where I know what, it, what an anxiety attack is like. I know exactly what a panic attack feels like. It is not a good place to be. But I have to go back in, and know that he bore that for me. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. He bore it all. I don't have to be concerned one minute. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be fretful. I don't have to be panicked. I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to have any of that that, that, it, that affects my mind. Anything that keeps me from being clear and being able to be focused on what God wants me to do next. I don't have to put up with that. The chastisement of, of, his, of my peace was on him. On him. But it's time for us to, to start walking in a place we exhibit the healing power of God to other people. Whether they're born again, whether they're not. If they're born again, you say, look, God healed me. He's no respecter of persons. The same Jesus that healed then heals today. The same God who says, I am the great I am. I'm the Jehovah, the Jehovah Rapha. He is the same God who heals today. My covenant is the same as your covenant. Your covenant is the same as my covenant. You can be healed completely and totally. I'm an example. I'm an example. And then for the person who's without, say, you may not have a covenant yet, but I'm telling you what, God still wants to reach down in his mercy, and he wants to heal your body. All you have to do is just believe, just believe, just believe. There's no evidence in here in any of these places that these, well, in fact, these people couldn't have been born again. Jesus hadn't died yet, and yet they believed, they believed. Some who were children of Israel, some who were not. Some who had a covenant from the Old Testament, you know, where, where God made, that co made covenants with the children of Israel, and some who had never had a covenant. And he still, in his mercy, healed every single one of Every one of them. Every one of them. Every one of them. I tell you what, God wants to do something in you, but God wants to do something through you. Go with me to Mark 16. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Have you ever considered the fact that you can lay hands on yourself? We, we look at that verse so many times, and we look as, as I'm doing this for somebody else. I'm, but you know what? There's no reason why you can't lay your hands on yourself. There's no reason why you can't. You're a believer, right? Some of the symptoms in your body, you qualify on both counts. Lay hands on it and expect it to go in the name of Jesus. You know, boldness is coming our way. 
I tell you what, if there's one thing that you can find in people who are in revival, it's a sense of boldness. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. These are the people who were praying at this time. In verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. You know, the enemy is always threatening. Yeah, he's always threatening. You know, he's telling you that what symptoms you have in your body, they're going to turn into something catastrophic, and you're not going to be here long, and you're going to be in a grave before too long, and da 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 you know, and then he, if you're trying to, to, to get the, the courage to go witness or, or to lay hands on somebody else, he's going to tell you how embarrassed you're going to be and it's not going to happen. And uh, We'll just behold their threatenings, Lord, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. I'm telling you what, it's time for us to access the boldness that he intends for us to walk in and just throw caution to the wind. It's not up to us to heal people. We're not the healer. Jesus is the healer. It's up to him to do his part. Once we've done our part, now it's in his ball game, ballpark. I mean, it's up to him to do what he said he would do. He said we'd lay hands on them and they'd be healed. Boldly, boldly. You know, what was so interesting about the stories that I was reading in here over the weekend is that there were, there were things that you know, ordinarily, even to modern medicine, would have been impossible to fix. And they were completely healed. There was a glory that came in in that place. Listen, there's no reason why the glory can't come in here. There's no reason why the, glory, the Shekinah glory of God can't be residing in here every time we come in here. And it's time for us to start bringing people, bringing people who need to be healed and bringing them in here with an expectation, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or prayer meeting. If they're here, they can be healed because the glory of God is here to heal them. Hallelujah. You know, um, Jesus, when he was, was in, the, in the temple, it was over in Luke chapter 4. And I tell you what, this is something you can say about yourself. Chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Another version says oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I tell you, the key here is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. It has to become personal has to become priceless to us, then it's a personal expectation because it's a personal impartation that he has given to us to be able to lay hands on people and expect them to be set free by the power of God. I'm telling you what, God is wanting to move, and he wants to move through us everywhere we go, not just when we come together. I tell you what, I look forward to every service. What's he going to do next? What's going to happen next? 
Glory to God. Are you, are you ready to step into that place where he can use you? You ready to step into a place of boldness you've never been before? You ready to expect the spirit of the Lord to be upon you that you're anointed to do whatever he tells you to do? Amen. Well, let's just stand up. Praise God for it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.